0: Welcome to episode 65 of the Lace Him Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff.
1: For the second straight week, we're talking about Claude Julien, only this time it's for more uh, positive reasons. Um, uh, We're we're, we're really going to dig deep into that um, um, right off the bat. Uh, Also, we're going to talk about um, Gustav Nyquist's vicious high stick on Jared Spurgeon. Uh, I'm going to talk about why... The NHL didn't go far enough in their discipline of the Red Wings sport. And um, two famous NHL players achieved historic milestones. Which one is more significant? Um, not everyone's going to agree with what I have to say. And we'll also talk about Bruins and Sens later in the show. Uh, but first, shout-outs to all the players past and present who have worn number 65, Eric Carlson being the most notable um, other guys to wear that number, uh, currently Danny DeKaiser, Andre Dorakovsky, Ladislav Nemestikov, Andrew Shaw, Ben Lovejoy, Ron Hainsey, and a pair of former 67s, Tyler Kuma and Derek Jocelyn. So to all of them, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve.
0: That's a lot of current players. Um, all right. except the two former
1: '67s. I'm in. Yeah, yeah,
0: but you, yeah, that's true. Um, you did just list a lot of current players. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. We start our show today with the biggest news this week. Um, a week after Claude Julien was fired from the Bruins, he gets automatically, he gets rehired on the Habs. This was the second time uh, in Habs history that Michelle Tyrion was replaced by Claude Julien. Um, when Julien was the coach, I actually looked this up, he, uh, for three seasons, he his record was 72 and 62 and 25 um, as the Habs coach. So that's not terrible, not great at the same time, but this was in 2002. He was also there. He got fired mid-season after the first season back from the lockout, um, and then he went to the Devils, and then and then he went to the Bruins. I just have a quick. Th- we have a bunch of questions here, but before we do, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say generally we can talk about this. I think the Habs are a better team. Than they were, but they still have to get past. Like, I don't think they're better than Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Rangers. I don't think they can beat them in the playoffs. Um, it'll just be interesting because I feel like Therian was holding them back. And I think Julian's a better coach than Therian is. But, but from someone who has watched Julian's games a lot, he doesn't really play aggressive. Uh, Julian is more defensive-minded. And he doesn't want players to attack the net. They just play defense uh, once they are ahead, um, and that's a little dangerous when you think about it. It can work though, if you ju- But you just need the right players and the right mindset to be like, uh, like to stay focused um, when you're ahead. Like the uh, like the Habs, like his first game against Winnipeg was a perfect example. They were ahead for a while, um, and then they just kind of like lost lost focus, and Winnipeg was able to uh, score a lot more goals on Saturday. That was his first game. But, like, then again, you know, they have guys like Shea Weber, Sergei Markov, and obviously... Andre Markov. Andre Markov. I always mess that up. And, obviously, Carey Price, who, you know, who's the best goaltender in the world. So, I don't think it's, like, I think it could be done with those right players, but I just don't think they necessarily have, like, a Bergeron or Krejci type player. So, like, it's it'll be interesting to see if this will work. And although I was also, like, thinking in terms of, like, the 2011 Bruins team versus this team, so, like, Chara and Shea Weber are kind of alike with the hardest shot and whatnot, and they're both defensive-minded, but also have some offensive ability. You also have Tim Thomas and Carey Price, who are both really, really good goaltenders who can play at a high level. Marshawn and Gallagher are alike because they have that pest, pesty side to them. And uh, there was another one. Oh, Sean Lucic. Uh, just people who annoy other uh, opponents, and they play aggress. They have like an aggressive play style, po- power <laughs> forward like that. But yeah, it's I don't know it. I feel like Julian fits this team, but, oh yeah, another one, uh, Sagan and Galchenyuk, who are both second overall picks, who aren't, uh, you know, who have that interesting, like, young, uh, they could be playing a lot better than they were, but like, I don't know, I feel like the Habs do have a chance, and they do have the right amount of players, I just don't know, I feel like it's a little too late kind of thing, I don't know, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, th- uh, before we get into the questions, what do you think of this hire? I, I, know
1: what, I know it's, uh, when I emailed you the news, your yep. reaction was not safe for work. No, no, no. i no, no, say nothing. what your reaction was. So I think I know how you feel inside yep. about this, but, uh, you, you know, I, I will say this, Claude Julien is walking into a better situation than what he got in Boston at the start. Yep. That, that much can be said, but it, it it's kind of it's kind of tough to implement your style mid-season um but just just the way things were going like Kerry Price is alluding to in the, in the first practice they were they were playing a lot in their defensive yeah. end uh, the last couple of games under Terry and and when you talk about the defensive minded style i mean th- this is what Kerry Price is talking about you know we need yeah. to spend more time in their end that's when that's when we were mo- the most successful right. so i don't know necessarily how much of it, how much uh, of a help uh, his defensive minded approach is, is going to be for this team. But I'm willing to give him a shot because, you, you know, coming into his second stint with Montreal, he's yeah. got something that this team has been waiting for 23 years. And that's a Stanley cup ring.
0: I think, I think he's definitely capable of getting them a cup in his reign. I think it's like, he's there. He's his contracts there for five years or something like that. He's the second highest paying coach. But it's just more about, I think you're right, it's more about if the players can buy into the system. And, and even still, even if they can buy into the system, I'm not sure if that's enough to beat the Pittsburghs and the Washingtons yeah. um, and the Chicagos of the world. So I don't know, we'll see. All right, we have a, I have a list of questions, or you have a list of questions yeah. that we'll ask here. So how much did the Habs' current slump affect this decision? I'll let you answer this one first. Okay. Um,
1: well, Terry made three playoff appearances. First off, in his second crack with the Canadians, he helped them reach the Eastern Conference Finals in 2014. Last year, they missed the playoffs after a strong start. But to be fair, in his defense, Carey Price was MIA for pretty much the entire second half. This year, after starting 13-1-1, Michelle and the Hats went 18-18-7, and Carey Price was in the lineup for most of those games. In their last seven under Tyrion, they were one five and one one. They got shut out in three of their last five under his watch. And they needed overtime to beat Arizona. And one of those games where they got shut out, it was to Colorado. The score was for nothing. And this was against a team they like we said in the previous show, we they throttled them ten to one earlier in the year. And and Mark Bergman during his press conference, uh, this is a little bit of what he had to say. Quote we were just not playing our game there was something missing in the team performance showed that there was something not right. And that a change needed to be made. And you know, he, he was fighting back tears. He was emotional. He didn't want to give Michelle Terry in the boot, but he said in the end, quote unquote, it's not about me or him or one player or two players. It's about the whole team. And, you know, he traded P.K. Subban for Shea Weber. He acquired right. Andrew Shaw in a trade with Chicago. He got he traded Lars Eller to Washington. He signed Alex Rajlov who's one of their best players this year. And yet, this is the second season in a row where they just haven't looked the same in the second half. Yeah. So, I'm not going to say it had everything to do with Terrian's firing, but it definitely played a role.
0: I think it did a little, but really it was because Julian was available. I think if Julian, which we'll get to the next... Next question. I I think if Julian wasn't available, I don't think the Habs do this because, you know, they need that French speaking coach, which is kind of stupid. And, you know, he's definitely an upgrade from Therian. Um, You know, the Habs are still in first place, even though they're slumping right now. You know, it's not like they were doing terribly all season either. So but at the same time, when you when Julian is available, who knows how long he's going to be there. I think you have to you know, you have to uh, get him when he's hot or when he's available. So Yeah, and, and it's yeah. it's
1: also interesting to note that the last um coach to be fired on a division leading team was Claude Julian in 07 right. in,
0: in New the Jersey, Devils with three yeah.
1: games left in the regular season. Yeah. So this doesn't happen
0: very often. No, it doesn't. And it's kinda of funny that it's Julian again, just like this is the second time in history that Claude Julian has replaced Syrian for the Habs yeah. but um, yeah uh, that's that's true. So I guess we just answered that question. Although there were reports that the Habs were looking into Gerard Galant, but I don't know if they were that serious about it because they're probably like oh he doesn't speak French never mind. <laughs> How much of this was Mark Bergervin's decision? I'd say a lot of it was Mark Bergervin's decision. Although the thing, the thing that now the trouble that I have with Bergevin is that can we really trust this guy? Because he said that, like he said before, like last season, that he wouldn't trade PK Subban, and whoever thought that was crazy, and then PK gets traded almost. Like right after, I forget exactly how long after that that remark was, and then he said the but same was thing. For Shea Weber, though, man. Yeah, but it's still, he's, it's still like he said that he wouldn't trade PK Subban publicly, yeah. and he didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, he he gets traded right away, or almost right away. I don't know exactly the time frame, but I know he he gets traded, and then he said the same with uh, Therian. He said that he was sticking with Therian. Well. That's not true. He, you know, he signed Claude Julian. I don't know. It's. Uh, I guess this is Mark Bergevin's decision, and I think a lot of this, like, if this doesn't go well for uh, Claude Julian, I, uh, you know, this this decision. Um, yeah, I think Mark Bergevin is on the line now because I know yeah. the the owner Joff Jeff uh, Olson was a big PK Subban guy. I'm not sure if he was a theory guy, but. I have a feeling that Bergevin's going to get canned if this doesn't work out. I forget what game it was, but there was a point um, in this season where Carey Price had that stare down to uh, Therian, and he went straight to the locker room. It was very reminiscent of that Patrick Waugh game, like meltdown game. Um, And I think like once that happened, once like Carey Price didn't like Therian, you know, you knew that Therian was gone. So I think it was more like well if Kerry Price your best player uh doesn't like the coach then maybe we should get a different coach um kind of thing. So I think that was that had more to do with the decision. I don't I know it was a small game and I know Kerry Price has been okay but I think there is like it's just you know Kerry Price hasn't been the same um since that game um in an all season even. So You know, it might just be the coach kind of thing. Well, getting getting back
1: to the previous question, and it ties into this question, he went on to say that Claude Julien's availability hardly had anything to do with the timing Mm. of Terrence's dismissal. I call baloney on that.
0: Yeah, I don't believe that. Because
1: in the summer of 2015, when Mike Babcock was available, Bergevin noted that Canadians played five rounds of playoff hockey over the previous two years, trailing only Chicago and the New York Rangers, and Michelle won 16 of the 29 games during that stretch of playoff hockey he had zero i repeat zero reason to make a change back then and, and he said people don't think that michelle Terry is is a winner it's, it's just not fair and, and and he had faith i think in michelle and the team and then julian becomes available and two days after the
0: firing after Julien got fired in Boston, well, it's a week. But he's with Max, Shea, and Carrie to talk about stuff, uh, yeah, yeah. and has a separate That's meeting with
1: Tyrion. And, and we mentioned that last week. I thought it was mostly centered towards where both sides were at, right? And you know what? In order to get insightful and honest opinions, you have to talk to people separately. So you know, you don't cause a rift and you know, unintentionally stab each other in the back. I get that. But the French talking head coach is few and far between in this league. If that pattern continued, and and and. Ju- Julien isn't there, and, and I'll say, and I'll say this: Claude Julien is not going to be available by the time the off-season rolls around. Someone hires him if it's not Montreal. No, I
0: know, I agree with that. Him. So, yeah,
1: if that pattern continued and he stuck with Michelle Therrien, here are your pretty much the top three options: Gerard Gallant, Bob Hartley, and Patrick Waugh. Maybe Gerard Gallant if he speaks French. But this is a team that needs to win right now. I don't know if Gerard Gallant would be the perfect fit. Yep. Um, they already went with Michel Therrien. He was two two win Shiva Cup in two thousand eight with the Penguins, and then Claude Julien, who's available, who's won a Stanley Cup, who has won a Jack Adams, just all of a sudden falls into your lap
0: in the middle of your bye week. Yeah. He's going to be Kamali
1: lead wide. He's getting. He's yeah, he was getting a
0: lot teams. of permission. How can so. not hire Claude
1: Julian How can you
0: right. not hire this guy? No, I know. And
1: I think absolutely, if he's not out there, this decision doesn't. It, this decision isn't made, and he and he plugs his nose and he goes with Michelle Terry and the rest of the way. See what he can do. Because in my opinion, he was the most qualified until
0: Julian became available. Yeah, and, I and agree with that. Shea Al- is in Ottawa. There's there's another option they don't have. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that brings us to our next question. If the Habs don't win a cup under Julian, is it time to rethink the French-speaking coach criteria? I mean, I think even if the uh, the Habs do win a cup with Julian, it is time to rethink the French-speaking coach criteria. Uh, just because, I don't know, I, f- I feel like there aren't that many uh, French-speaking coaches out there um, who are good Um, And I, it's kind of, I get that Montreal is a French and has like a dual language thing with, you have to speak French and you have to speak English, but I don't think it should require you to, to have like someone who can't speak the language as well. Like, I don't know, there is because it kind of limits the amount of coaches you can say, like, if you're telling me that like Mike Babcock can never be a Montreal coach that's kind of silly, but yeah. So, <laughs> what do you say?
1: Well, uh, I I think the the owners. I think prob- I'm not going to say how much of a say they had in this decision, and and I'm not I'm not I'm not speculating how much they did, but I question how much of it was Mark Berger making this decision, how much the owners had to say in this decision, because again, Claude Julien, French-speaking coach. Right. But uh, getting back to the final point, this is Julian's second stint with the club. Michelle yep. Terrien has been through his second stand. He's been fired mid-season both times. Yeah. The last time they won cup, I was a few months old. It was back in 1993. I don't even remember. If you give Claude Julien five years, maybe um, more than that, you're going on 30 years since your last Stanley Cup. If he can't get it done, he's won a Stanley Cup, and he can't get it done, I definitely question it because – I mean, I already question it right you're, now. You're starting, but You're starting to reuse different voices from years and years ago – And the results are still the same. (laughs) You finally got a coach that's won a Stanley cup. He meets all the criteria from head to toe. Fall on your lap. This is a dream come true. If he can't get it done, forget the French speaking part, find me a coach that can win the cup. Because I think if you ask the fans right now, and I have a few Habs friends on Facebook, they're just like, uh, maybe this will work out. I don't know. At this point, the fans want winners more than anything. That's what the fans want. I think they're getting to a point where they could care less if their coach speaks French. They just want a Stanley Cup. True. That's that's the bottom line. Yeah. Every fan wants to win.
0: I mean, I guess it. I was trying to think. I guess the only reason why they need a French-speaking coach is for the media and like the French speaking newspapers and stuff cause... and get a French translator and fran- yeah that's, that's awesome. true too yeah you can do that that's a good uh, b- uh, way to surpass that,
1: they have that in the House of Commons for Canadian politics they have a French speaker on standby it, it yeah. doesn't sound or, you know original but at
0: least you can get a French version of it you right know? right <laughs> or you can just learn the language if, you're, if you happen well, to actually, do that they, they, have, they have an English
1: translator in the House of Commons when, when the person's speaking French that they can go to but I'm sure uh, a lot of french speaking
0: people that would take that on but true but uh, again yeah i guess you're right it's not that much of an they're, obstacle they're reaching a tipping point i think if it's they not, can't get it done with Julie, yeah. they got to rethink it it's not that much of an well they need to rethink it even if they do win a cup under Julian. But, but yeah that that translator kind of uh gets rid of that obstacle of french speaking um and english speaking um and then last question that i added on here Uh, So uh, the Bruins have to give other teams permission in order to speak to Julian. They happen to, uh, the Habs asked the Bruins to give uh, them permission to speak to Julian. And this was, uh, the Bruins actually did. Their hated rival, uh, they gave permission to speak to Claude Julian. So the question is, why did they do that? So this was the one place – Montreal was the one place I didn't want him to go to. I would have been happy if – to. I would have been happy for him if he wa- went anywhere else. This was like the only place that I didn't want him to go to. So it- my first reaction was as uh, it's uh, not safe, for, not uh, safe radio, for radio, where I was just like how could- – I was just angry. I was just, how did they even let him get permission so it was just weird that they they gave Montreal permission. So, but like I, after thinking about it a little bit, I think it it would be even worse. PR, if they didn't get give uh, the Habs permission. than this whole like firing him on parade fiasco thing. Because if people found out, they'd just be like, you know, people would hate that move. Um, I mean, it would add to the rivalry. Um, in that sense, I mean, it already does oh, add yeah. to the rivalry because, like, we know what he's thinking. And, you know, the ha- he's been here for 10 years. So he deserves the right to go where he wants. And I think that's ultimately why the Bruins decided to do that because they're just out of respect to Claude Julian, They wanted to uh, give him that kind of thing. Um, you know, they wanted to give him the right to get any job that he wants kind of thing so but on the other hand he could have gotten I'm sure like there was multiple teams that were reported that wanted to speak to Cod Julian I think it's just weird I don't know it's just like Julian had to go to the Bruins biggest rival I know it's just business um I know it's just a coach um and I know we fired him too but it's just it's just hard to believe that this is, there isn't like a little bit of spite involved on Claude Julian's part because um, I'm sure he's thinking like I'll show Don Sweeney and Cam Neely that I can still coach um, kind of thing to him. But we'll we'll see. I was talking to some Bruins fans and they like they were saying like it, they made the case that it was more of like a business decision than a. And they they would have like they would probably like cheer him because he won us the cup, but at the same time it's like this is Montreal we're talking about. You know, it's they're the Yankees of hockey. So it's I don't know. It's uh I, I don't I like I get why the Bruins gave Julian permission, but at the same time, um I don't really. Um I don't know. I don't know if you have anything on that, but <laughs> well, I think that would be the ultimate buzz off. Right, mind your own business. If Boston did that to Montreal, yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, we fired that coach, but you can't talk to him. Yeah, it's not our property. We, we we want nothing to do with him, but you can't have him. Right, no, like, I know that would be yeah, like that. Would just be the ultimate. Would be the ultimate and it, it would cause
1: a whole another A whole another chapter. Of that
0: yeah, no, I agree with that, but at the same time, it's it's still um. I don't know. I feel like it's a weird, weird thing for the Bruins to do. Daniel Alfredson when he left Ottawa, he went to a division
1: rival, and and Brian Murray, you know, he was at him at the time, you said, but you're going to a team in our division.
0: Business sucks sometimes, okay? Yeah, I know, I know. I get it. That's an interesting point that you bring up. I get it. I get it's a business move, and, uh, like, it's purely business, uh, but at the same time. It's a team that wants you, too. yeah. But at the same time, like he's he's getting offers from any every team else, and they're probably going to give him the same amount of money. So it's it's not really about money per, per se. It's it's just I don't know. It's just uh, it's just a weird thing. Uh, although I feel like when I was talking to other Bruins fans, I'm like I'm in the minority in this thinking. So. Maybe I'm not. I don't speak for all Bruins fans on this, but it's
1: just. Can, can you imagine? This a though, strange Claude thing. Julian snaps the curse in Boston. Then he goes and brings the Stanley Cup to Montreal. He's yeah. gonna be adored there. He's gonna get free meals. No, every I know. Day. He's yeah.
0: gonna. Yeah, he's gonna. Be, he might be beloved in both Montreal and Boston. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, like, uh, like I would just mention the Yankees. But this is a lot like uh, Roger Clemens leaving the Red Sox. Um and then going to the Yankees, almost right after he went to he had a stint in Toronto. But like it was then all of a sudden he starts, uh, you know, I mean, I guess this is assuming he starts winning and winning a cup for them. Um, but like he start, you know, that was his best years of his career. Even though he played, he had pretty good years in Boston too. It's like just a stab in the back, and you know that Roger Clemens uh joined the Yankees because he hated the Red Sox that much. Um so I don't know. I feel like I feel like there is some spite in Claude Julian's in this move, but there isn't facts on this. So I'm I'm like now anti Claude Julian now. Um <laughs> we'll we'll see. I have a feeling we're gonna be talking about this a lot. So uh let's go to the poll of the week. Uh which milestone uh there's a big milestone this week uh, Crosby got his a thousandth point, which, uh, got us the question, um, or I just remember I was emailing you, I was, I wanted to do something about Crosby and you were saying like, which milestone stat achieved this year is the most historic, which is what we ended up going with. Um, we had Ovechkin's a thousandth point, Crosby's a thousandth point, Yager's 1900th point. Um, is that right? I think I said that right. Uh, and yeah. then Hank's fourth 400th career win. Um, And you thought not on that... This list, but, uh, not on this list quickly, but just a quick
1: shout out to Jonathan Dave's. who got a 600th point. Just wanted to put that yeah. out there. Anyways, continue.
0: And also, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about Patrick Laine, who, um who's having yeah. a career year too, um, or oh, like a milestone year for that. 50 points in 53 games. Jager... Um, but, yeah, you thought that Crosby was going to win this one because cause it's Sidney Crosby. Um, and then I was like, well, it's obviously going to be Yager. So we put this to the test. We polled everyone. And Yager's 1,900th one. Crosby did get 20%, though. So you have that to hold on to. But uh, Yager won the poll with 80%. Um, yeah, no one voted for Ovechkin's or Hank's um, milestone stat. Um, so, uh, I guess you can explain your thinking here. Okay. So
1: <laughs> Sidney Crosby's 1000th point. He's the 86 all time. Uh, he's 86 on the all time list to achieve this feat. If only it was
0: 12th-
1: 87th. <laughs> oh yeah. If only. Yeah. That, that would just have been so fitting. Um, He's the 12th fastest and the 11th youngest to reach that milestone. Yep. The youngest was Wayne Gretzky, who wasn't even 24, if you can believe it, when he did it. That's incredible. Yeah. He's missed 201 games in his NHL career, Sidney Crosby has, due to injury. And yet he's won two Cups, two Olympic gold, two Art Ross trophies, two Hart trophies, a Con Smythe, a Rocket Richard, and three Lester B. Pearsons. He's also a six time All Star. He's done all that before reaching a thousand points in eight hundred games. Yeah, I think that milestone stands above all the others, and it's more to do with this twenty-nine-year-old from Cole Harbour, Nova Scotia, and what he did before this feat took place. And not to take away anything from Jaromir Jagr, because what he did—the only other guy to do it was Wayne Gretzky—but it's yep. just everything that happened before Sidney Crosby's a thousandth point that I think that makes makes it more historic than Jagr's. I mean. I didn't. I, I, I totally forgot that Yager was that close to 1,900 points until I take, took a look on the Muscle Alert on the NHL's website. Yeah. That's how I found out that Yager was so close to history. I knew that Crosby
0: was so close to 1,000 because they were hyping it up like crazy. Well, yeah, I guess in so terms my
1: apologies, of... My apologies in advance if I snubbed Yager and his uh, gorgeous mullet unintentionally.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think the point is, is that, like, you know, Ovechkin broke his 1,000th point. He's... You just said it yourself. He's the 86th person to reach this milestone, whereas Yager is only the second person to reach that milestone. Uh, So I think it's just in that sense it's a lot harder to do. Um, I think eventually Crosby or Ovechkin will reach. I I think if both are, um, I know both uh, Crosby and Crosby uh, has a. uh, injury-prone, so I don't know if he'll get to Jager's point total, but I'll say that, like, you know, I think it's definitely possible. But I think right now, I think Jager's point total is more impressive because you can make a case that he's the best player besides Wayne Gretzky um, just because he has more points than everyone, and he's played – like since he's 45 in fact this brings Mm -hmm. us to another milestone that he broke this week uh yager joins Howe and chelios by being the only players to score a goal after 45 after being 45 years old so um yeah um which is kind of it's just kind of interesting because most people at most former players are retired at that time well i guess that makes sense I mean, most hockey players are retired at forty-five, even like when they're forty. So, um, so it's just impressive that he's even still here. Um, And I think that, like, yes, Crosby is amazing. And I think when it's all said and done, he'll be up there as one of the best players to ever play the game. But, but at the moment, Yager has those accomplishments. Um, I should also second. mention
1: that Crosby got a three-point game in that in, in thousand and night where he got his 1,000th point against the Winnipeg Jets, and he also joined a very short list of players to get their 1,000th point and an overtime winner yeah. on the same night.
0: Yeah, that, that was cool. But
1: again, not taking away anything from Yarmer Yager. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying, everything. every historic night that Sidney Crosby has, he usually puts a stamp on the game.
0: Uh, there was a funny quote that Malkin said uh, about the 1,000th uh, uh, point, I believe. Where's where Oh, here it is. Uh, hey, Sid, I want to say congrats on your 1,000th point. It is a huge number. We both know that 999 of those points is because of my help. I've enjoyed <laughs> playing with you. Every game, every night is so fun. Everyone knows that you are the best player. I just thought that was funny that he's like... yeah, um, He's that he's humble. Got quite the sense of humor that much. Yeah, uh, and I think they had, like, a statistic of, like, who contributed to his points and stuff. And I think Malkin uh, contributed the most of everyone. So, so yeah, I think Malkin's probably getting there soon, right? He has to be, if Ovechkin and Crosby did this season. By the way, uh, Malkin returned this week, buried the lead there. All right, uh, let's do in or out. Are they in or are they out? Cal, we have, Just
1: quickly, Malkin has, Malkin has 819 career points.
0: Wow. How many games?
1: 694.
0: Okay, wow. So, that's actually pretty close, but he's probably not going <laughs> to. Give, give it a couple years. He'll break yeah, it. Yeah, he'll break it, like, next year, maybe. He'll be the 87th player.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know who's... Play- is, like Have the Sedins broken it yet? Probably uh, not. Henrik broke it this year. Daniel Sedin, I believe, is very, very
1: close to breaking it. Taking a look at his stats right now, he's at 975 points. Okay. So he's probably the next closest to reach the milestone.
0: Um, I was thinking maybe Joe Thornton might be, but... Um... No, he's
1: well over 1,000. Well over 1,000.
0: Yeah. Anyways, let's go back to the in or out before we start getting sidetracked. Cal. Uh, so we have uh, two teams here. We have Calgary Flames. They had sixty. They have sixty-two points, which makes them tie. They have a wild card spot right now. They're tied with Nashville for that wild card spot. If they don't get that wild card spot, which they might not, um, they are eight pa- points out of the third place in the Pacific which is Anaheim I was just looking at the stats and Goudreau hasn't been Johnny Goudreau lately he's he's been scoreless in four games although he I mean I know he's been injured for most of the season but um I did see that he had 35 points in 48 games um so I don't know maybe he is I mean I guess that's not terrible but it's not like not what we're used to but I don't know. Maybe he's. Uh, maybe there is. Maybe he's more injured than we think he is, or something. But um,
1: Yarmar Yager is thirty-four points in fifty-seven games. By the way, so he's producing at a Yager-like pace. Who? But the difference is Yarmar Yager is probably like twenty years older than Johnny Hockey.
0: Oh, Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, that's not obviously that's not terrible. I don't know. I just. I, I feel like no, no. I have him on my fantasy team and I'm just noticing well, that you've seen good, yeah, I'll agree there. Yeah. He's in my uh he's in my uh what what's the uh thing that uh coaches say? He's it uh whatever. Uh let's on keep, get going. Team or something, or? Yeah, uh when uh they're like in the penalty box or something, I don't know. I'll think of it. Oh doghouse? Yeah, he's in my doghouse yeah, on my fantasy game. Yeah, there you go. Game. Exactly. Yeah, so Calgary, are they in or are they out? Uh, well, they're 4-2-1 and one in the month of
1: February so far, and they were able to beat teams like the Penguins and Wild during that stretch, which is impressive. Uh, as far as shots against are concerned in the new year, they're in a top-five team, which is good. They're a top-ten team when it comes to goals against, and, and they were giving up, I think, they were at least the bottom five in shots against uh, last year, the worst kind of bottom five. Their power play during, um, from January 1st and beyond, it's in the top 10. Penalty kills, middle of the pack, good as well. Sean Monahan's got nine goals and 15 points since January 1st, a major reason why uh, Calgary's still in the thick of things. Backlund's doing pretty well, got four goals and 11 assists. So does Matt Kachuk. Uh, as a rookie, he's played very well for them. Um, Mikhail League has 11 points and 20 games of his own. Johnny Hockey, 10 points in 20 games since January 1st. It's... I, I'm, I'm wondering how much of a factor the hand injury he suffered earlier yep. um, is having on his play. I don't know if, if it's a fact, if it's having any impact, but something's up with Johnny Hockey, and we've seen better from him. But if, if you're asking me who needs to pick it up, I'm looking at their veteran defense. I mean, Dougie Hamilton, he's done his fair share, but Giordano on even strength, he's got four points, even strength in 20 games since New Year's Day. Dennis Weidman has four assists, period, in 20 games in uh, the new year. That's not even close to being good enough. And Troy Brower and Sam Bennett need to pull their weight as well offensively. Both have a goal and an assist. Bennett has one goal one assist in 19 games since 2017. Troy Brower has one goal and one assist in 15 games since the start of 2017. My concern is their goaltending, though, because since the start of 2017 Chad Johnson's goals against average is over three
0: but Brian Elliott's Thanks. been good
1: yeah Elliott's been good though 5-4-2 two, 2.39 GAA 907 save percentage in the new year which is good the veteran number one supposed to be on his A game but that dry spell hit Chad Johnson pretty hard when he was doing well my worry is that it could happen to Brian Elliott in the not too distant future. True, and I mean like, is... and, and I would hope it doesn't because they got a huge month of March coming up. Yeah. Uh, we alluded to this a couple of weeks ago. Ten of their fourteen games in March are at home. If things got underway on Sunday, like I said, they'd be in. They'd own a wild card spot. They'd be in, but the Jets are just three back of the second wild card spot, which, uh, like I said, Calgary occupies. Kings are two back of them as well, which we'll talk about in a second. A lot can change between now and April. I think they're going to make it close, but uh, I'm not stamping uh, their ticket in the playoffs just yet by any means. They could be in, they could be out.
0: (laughs) Way to dodge the question. Um (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I agree West, with you. The
1: West, I don't, I don't. The West is unpredictable because a lot of these teams could easily miss the playoffs, but a lot of them could make it in if the other struggles.
0: No, I know, I know. Well, I mean, you can say that about every team. You can say that about every team. Well, uh, but yeah, no, you're right. Um, yeah, I think uh, Calgary. Their big issue is their defense and their goaltending, more specifically. You know, Chad Johnson hasn't been as good. Uh, but Brian Elliott has picked it up from the year, which is good because he was struggling at the beginning of the year. Um, so it's kind of like the re- reverse roles, Chad Johnson and Brian Elliott. So I think they're in actually uh, because I think eventually like Johnny Gaudreau will figure things out. And um, I think Sam Bennett will, you know, those guys will figure things out. Dougie Hamilton will figure things out, but uh at the moment, you know, it's it's going to be tight cuz as you alluded to before, LA is two games behind Calgary, Winnipeg is three points behind Calgary for that wild card spot. Um so I don't know, it it's it's going to be close. I could see Winnipeg even making it in, but um I think they're I think they're in at the moment. We talked about we just talked about LA Here's more statistics about them. They have 60 points. They're two points out of a wild card spot, um, and they're 10 points out of the third place in the Pacific, which is Anaheim at the moment. I think this is one of those teams where I feel like John, Jonathan Quick being out pretty much all of this season hurts them a lot. Um, I think if they ha- like, I know Peter Budai hasn't been terrible, um, and is a big reason for why they're even in the hunt in the first place, but I think ultimately that's going to just be their downfall. Um, I don't think they're in um, the playoffs, but they are close, so you never know with these things. Um, So, Steve, Um, are they in or out? Well, the Bruins, only the Bruins,
1: surprisingly, have spread fewer shots against than the Kings since the start of 2017. During that stretch, L.A. is 11th in shots for... Um, and that's even more impressive, considering they have very little power play time to work with, um, and they're twelfth in the power play. Even then, since January first, penalty kill fourth best in the league. They're they're twenty second in goals against uh, since twenty sixteen has ended. Does does that uh, concern me? Well, um, I, I think I might read twenty second in goals for, but either way, it doesn't concern me because they play a good team game. They get timely offense. They get timely defense. Um, top five team in hits they rarely rely on takeaways so the fact that they're still a playoff you know within playoff contention is, is pretty impressive especially with quick being out uh, Jeff Carter I loved his game since the start of 2017 he's got nine goals and 22 points in 20 games yeah, he's top been good. 20 uh, top 20 scorer league wide in the new year which is good and he's done that averaging less than 18 minutes of ice time. Taking a look at some of their other guys, 17 points in 19 games for Kopitar, Dustin Brown, 12 points over his last 20 games, which is a nice surprise. Interested to see what Tyler Toffoli provides because he's missed some time due to injury, but in the six games he's played since January 1st, he's got one goal and he's a minus six. So I think if you add a red hot Tyler Toffoli to the mix, this team could do some damage. But uh, their recent struggles concern me a little bit. They were shut up 5-0 in back-to-back games before beating Florida on February 9th. They go on their bye. They lose 5-3 to Arizona. They lose 3-2 to a Panthers team they beat earlier. And now they get the Ducks twice in less than a week, as well as a Hungry Bruins team on Thursday. And then for various reasons, the Wild and Flames, they have reason to beat them. They're going to be taking them on one week later. And then you have the trade deadline. And then they get a seven-game homestand. And during that homestand, they're going to be playing Toronto, Vancouver, Nashville, Washington, St. Louis, Arizona, and Buffalo. And here's the kicker. In the last month, they get Calgary and Edmonton three times.
0: Wow. Well, so I guess so that's, that's
1: going to be a huge stretch. That's going to be like a playoff for, uh, game. The Los Angeles games. But, again, I think they're going to make the playoffs simply because they've gotten this far without Jonathan Quick. Uh, I, th- I think they're going to make the playoffs. It might be close. It might come down to the final week, but I think
0: they get it. Yeah, I, guess, I think it's going to be close. I, I think we're being very uh, – yeah, we'll we'll see. I think it's going to be close, but I don't think they're going to make it just because I feel like the Jonathan Quick thing isn't going to – is just going to hurt them more. Um, I was just looking. They have a minus one goal differential as well, so we'll see. Um, I mean, that's that's okay. As opposed to Calgary, who has a minus fourteen, um, and Winnipeg, who has a minus fifteen, and that—I mean, those aren't like tells if they're good or not, but it does show that maybe there is some underlying thing where their defense isn't as good. Yeah, they're I don't know.
1: Defensive, defensively on the year, they're top ten in, in goals against. They're one of the ten best teams when it comes
0: to goals yep. against. Yeah, I, I feel like. Yeah, I guess L.A. may it's just that have a they chance.
1: Don't have enough offense to kind of balance out that goal differential, you know? Yeah,
0: that's true. Well, that's they've been that way forever, really. So, yeah. um, we'll see, though. Yeah. Oh, by, so speaking, I was just looking this up. So, the next close current active player to a thousand points is Daniel Sedin with nine hundred and seventy-five points. Um, and then Shane Doan has 964 points. Um, so those are the, the two to look forward to uh, next. Um, let's go to the rapid fire. This was a, uh, there were two big suspensions this week. One was very, uh, didn't get enough games. And one like should have gotten less games. So Antoine Vermette. I guess we'll start with Antoine Vermette because his suspend. I think he was suspended before Nyquist was. Vermette. Nyquist was suspended before Ver. Uh, Well, uh, no, you're right because his suspension was automatic. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so Vermette, uh, like sort of like stick tapped the ref or slashed the ref back um, of the leg when he had his back turned Yeah, he yeah, was just... After a face-off. After he was just, a after a face-off, he was just... I think I was hearing reports that he wanted to get a... He wanted the ref to redo the face-off because he didn't think it was fair um, or something like that. And that's why he slashed him instead of talking to the ref. <laughs> um, but uh apparently that's a... Uh, you can't touch the ref, which makes sense after that Dennis Weidman yeah. thing last year. So uh, he gets uh, 10 games for that, um, which I guess is somewhat reasonable, although it was weird because it was just like a love tap almost. It wasn't like... Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like nearly he... as vicious as the Weidman play. Right, exactly. Um, so he gets 10 games. I would have... And it's an,
1: it's an automatic suspension. They deemed it Category
0: yep. 2. That's an automatic 10-game suspension no matter what. Although the report is that an appeal could be coming and it could be reduced to 5. Right. Um, and then, uh, Nyquist, and then, uh, I forget when this happened, I think this was on like a Sunday, Sunday. or Monday?
1: Sunday versus Minnesota, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, so uh, Sunday, uh, Nyquist was, uh, checked into the boards, um, then by, I think it well, was... it wasn't for,
1: checked, but he was, he was nudged into the boards a little bit, a either nudge, way he so, didn't
0: like it. Alright, fine, uh, same kind of thing, um, but yeah. Uh, he was nudged into the boards, uh, then to retaliate, he takes his stick and hits uh, Jared Spurgeon, who just happened to be there. I think Spurgeon was the guy who uh, uh, nudged him into the boards, Spurgeon too. Spurgeon was the guy who hit him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, it was a definitely intentional, uh, definitely, you would think uh, that he would be uh, suspended for, uh, I don't know, a month. But uh nope, uh, what a surprise the NHL gave uh, suspended him for six games. It was uh, kind of interesting. I don't know if you watched the video where they explained why they gave him six games, but they were saying that like Spurgeon could have had this injury uh, could be a life-threatening injury and it could have been like a terrible injury that we haven't likes we haven't seen in a while. And then it's just like, but you gave him six games. It's like, if it was that serious, why did you get, you know, it's just, just silly. I don't, I don't usually get upset about suspensions like this. Cause I don't know how much it actually is like, it's supposed to teach you to not do those things again, but I don't know if like suspending mm. is necessarily the right way to do it. I get it. Um, but at the same time, it's like six games shouldn't be the punishment. It should be a lot more. It should be like... I could take 10 games. I could take uh, even... I could... Yeah, I could take 10 games at minimum. But uh, six, six games is just nuts. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I I think we're on the same page here. Right? Well, um, uh, j-
1: just getting back to to the Vermet thing, like, like his suspension might get reduced yep. to five games, which, which is understandable because Dennis Wyman he got 20 games. It was later reduced to 10. Right. So, uh, that, that part doesn't surprise me. The Nyquist definitely does like he, he knew right after the whistle was blown, the mistake that he had made, the refs didn't give him five in a the game. They gave him a double minor and they actually didn't think it was that bad. But, um, but Boudreaux told them, yeah, go, go check the replay. You'll see it was more than a double minor. Right. Um, and, and I think it, it should have been five in a game because it, it really looked intentional. It looked vicious to me. But, see, here's here's why I think it was six games. He's never been suspended before. Yeah. It looked like he right away that what he did was wrong. He said it wasn't – the not the kind of player like that would do something like that. He acknowledges that his emotions got the better of him, willing to accept the punishment. So six games considering that is reasonable. But it doesn't go far enough, and here is why. (laughs) Like, this isn't a questionable 50-50 hit. This high stick is not hockey. It has no place in the game. And even if he owns up to it and he knows what he did was wrong, you need to set a precedent to the rest of the NHL and make an example out of him. Yep. Like Spurgeon got a few stitches, he got a green light to return to game action. He actually returned to the game and he was fine. I'm sure all that factored into the suspension. But again, you alluded to the explanation video in the NHL, and and this is the explanation why they think Nyquist deserved more than six games, or uh, why they think Nyquist's uh, six game suspension was worthy. Uh, In their explanation, quote, he was attempting to use his stick in a retaliatory fashion, and he's completely responsible for using his stick to deliver a dangerous blow that could have resulted in a severe injury. I'm going to repeat that last part very slowly. (laughs) He's completely responsible for using his stick to deliver a dangerous blow that may have resulted in serious injury. The last thing I want to see is a significant suspension handed down to the offender after someone is career uh, after someone's career is cut short due to a dangerous play. Right. I'd love to see a message sent before something yeah. bad happens, and that's why it doesn't go too far. In fact, I'm notoriously bad for comparing apples to oranges, but just flashing back to 1988 for a second: Dino Ciccarelli, Minnesota North Stars, playing the Toronto Maple Leafs in Maple Leaf Gardens. He, he turns around, strikes, Leafs blue liner Luke Richardson in the head with his stick. He gets a 10-game suspension, a $1,000 fine, and a night in jail. Nyquist gets six games. That happened, that 10-game suspension happened in a league where a lot of stuff were uh, would be illegal in today's NHL. Right. How does Nyquist get a six-game suspension? It's bogus. Even if it gets appealed. If it gets appealed, I'm fine with that because, you know what? You did your best. They appealed against it. You can't win there. Nine times out of ten, you can't win. But at least try and send a message here.
0: Yeah. I, I get your thing about how it's like a first, like he's, this is his first time First-time offense. Avenger, yeah. And I, I get that, but at the same time... This was like
1: man was the first time offender though, too. He
0: got 10 games automatic. Right. If Nyquist that, did that to a ref, it would be a lot worse. Right. Exactly. And he just like love tapped the ref. It wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like, uh, he was ver- viciously trying to kill the guy. Whereas yeah. Nyquist was basically, it was intentional. He was trying to kill the guy, um, or, you know, Spurgeon. And so I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's ridiculous that they do this, um, I don't know. I feel like they're just not consistent. The NHL is just just be consistent uh, is more of the thing. But uh it should be it should be a lot more games. I guess we shouldn't be surprised at this point cuz they've they've had a history of questionable suspension time, but uh this was just ridiculous. I don't I don't know. I don't really like the whole like first time offense thing. I get it in a sense cuz it's like you learn from your mistakes and um all that but at the same time this was like a bit, this was probably the worst incident i've seen since like bertuzzi even I want to say. Well, yeah, and yeah. It, again, it's less
1: its less because Nyquist did something wrong or more about setting a precedent. Because yeah. let's say someone else does something like this and they get to spend it more and they're just like, well, Nyquist got six games, why am right. I getting a harder slap on the wrist? That's
0: true. Yeah, that's why I, I'm talking about consistency in terms of, mm-hmm. like, if this gets six games, what's that going to say for something that's kind of better than that, you know? Uh, I don't want to say, I don't know if better is the right word there, but... Um, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, that should be suspendable, but not, um, as bad as Necklace. but yeah, it was, it was just a strange move for that. Um, we're, uh, now we go to our regularly scheduled program in the injuries section. Uh, we have a couple of injuries here. Uh, Mitch Marner has an upper body injury. Uh, he's day to day. Um, this is, kind of a blow for the Maple Leafs, but, but he is day-to-day, so he may be back next, uh, even today. Um, we'll see. But, uh he, he,
1: he, he, he was not, he wasn't going to play in any of the weekend games. Mike Babcock says, if it's my call, he's in. If it's the Docs call, we'll wait and see. So, it all depends on how Martin feeling. We, we just include this because he went to make a check on Boo Jenner. He went awkwardly in the boards. It didn't look good at first. He tried to come back, test it out. didn't work out. So, um, it, it it's worth monitoring and it's it's worth knowing because he actually leads the Leafs in points. So, right. at the time of the injury, anyway.
0: Yeah, that's true. All right, Paul Snazny has a lower body injury. Um, we're now in the point. I guess where we've been this at this point for a we while now, a where it's like now, either yeah. upper body or lower body injuries. We're not too sure what body part exactly, but. Um, Paul Snazny is out. He has a lower body uh, injury. It's uncertain when he'll return though um, so but uh, he's kind of, he hasn't really lived up to his uh, his contract, right? So I don't know. Um, 35
1: points in 54 games that's not too bad. Uh, it says he's probable he's, for Monday's game against Florida. He's probable.
0: So if we could play, he might not. Uh, that's not that's definitely not seven million. Andre Pavlich has a lower body injury the uh, the coach uh Maurice wants him hopes he'll be back one week but it could be longer um, yeah
1: it, it should be noted they're on a four game road trip the jets are yeah. now they'll play two of them uh, he's he didn't play against Montreal didn't play not expected to play at all against ottawa yeah uh, but um he's traveling with the team again there's no word when he's gonna be back the fact he's traveling is at least some good news for them.
0: True. And I think, like, Hellebuck hasn't been terrible for the, them now. Uh, he's kind of, mm-hmm. he's sort of back. Um, he let out one goal yesterday against the Habs. So, um, I don't know, maybe Pavelich will be the backup instead. But we'll see. Speaking of the Jets, Tobias Enstrom ha- also has a lower body injury. Um, there, He's expected to be out two to three weeks. Um, yeah. So that's pretty bad. And then lastly, the one that's going to be the long, it's probably going to be take the longest to return out of all these ones we just listed, uh, Ulimata uh, has a hand injury. He's going to be out six weeks. And you were talking about, so this puts him, so he'll return after the trade deadline. And what the yeah. Penguins can do is they can put him on IR, they can get someone, um, and then... Um, and then they can use Mata in the playoffs with uh, this guy a,
1: a four, they can put his four million on long term injury reserve yep and acquire a piece and then activate him for the playoffs that's according to cap friendly per uh, sportsnet's John Shannon so' I'm not saying they're going to do that, but that is an interesting option that yep.
0: is there and the Blackhawks did this uh their last cup year when Patrick Kane was injured, they put him on i r they went and got Antoine Vermette. Um, and I think someone else um and then uh miraculously, Patrick Kane returned in his first game in the playoffs, and then they were able to win the cup but um yeah th- there's there's a way that you can bypass that by just putting the guys on long term i r because that they don't count towards the cap
1: yeah and it's been a tough ride for mata this he's had a pair of shoulder surgeries yeah. a battle with thyroid cancer, which he won. He battled the mumps, and now left-hand surgery. <laughs> yeah, All the that over the last four years hasn't been a good time for him. It
0: seems like the Penguins have tons of injury-prone guys, because they have Crosby, Malkin, Latang, <laughs> yeah. Mal- Mata. Um, yeah, I think Dumoulin's been injured a while, so it's like, yeah, you're right. But, like, those four guys are very injury-prone. Patrick Laine had, um, had a hat-trick this week. Um, he, that was his, it was against Dallas. Um, he has two, he had two hat-tricks, I um, mean, 12 points in five games. Uh, this is versus Dallas. Um, he's the first rookie to reach 50 points this season. Um, he did that in 53 games. I I think that's pretty good, wouldn't you say? Um, yeah. 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 Um, I think uh, he,
1: Especially especially goals in five games against a team like Dallas, even Mm. their defense, like it's still showing up their offense like that as good. Also got three at tricks in his rookie season. That milestone hasn't been achieved by anybody since Timu Solani and Eric Lindros both did it in 92, 93.
0: And Timu Solani was a Winnipeg jet, another Finnish, uh, Winnipeg jet. Um, yeah, I I think he's, I think right now you have to give the calder to Patrick liney. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to be the judge to deciding that they got a lot yeah. of good choices. They usually yeah. do every year, but especially this year. Yeah, this year, especially with uh, you know, the three guys in Toronto. You have Patrick Laine. You also have Matt Murray, um, who's now basically the starter for Pittsburgh. So, yeah. um, you have that, and um, and Worinski, who's kind of fell fallen off a bit, but um, he's still there, um. Holtby had a winning streak of 14 straight games. Uh, that's the second longest streak ever. I didn't even realize he had it until he lost yesterday, or on Saturday, to the Red Wings. Um, so that's impressive. I think the Capitals are uh, atop the Metropolitan Division right now, uh, in large part, to this 14 straight game winning streak from Holtby. Um, but yeah, it's... A, Something to build up on, I guess.
1: Yeah, he's he's tied with six goalies of uh, with fourteen wins. Uh, early this year, Bobrovsky won fourteen consecutive decisions. What's interesting about that game is that uh, Detroit is still unbeatable in shootouts, and uh, the Caps were coming off their bye week. The game started at two, and they had no game day skate. So the fact they were that close to extending holby's winning streak is is pretty remarkable yeah um he also hasn't lost in regulation since December 27th against the Islanders so he's still undefeated in regulation in 2017 remarkable streak by holpi
0: yeah for sure um also um it happens to the caps every year they get in this like hot streak um and then it's just like wake me up till to the playoffs because yeah. It's uh, it's at that point where I'm like, all right, this is cool and all, but I've seen this before. Let's let's see if they can do this during the playoffs. Um, Speaking of which, uh, the Caps made a trade, and they got Tom Gilbert uh, to the Caps um, with a conditional fifth rounder coming LA's way. Um, The condition is if the Caps win two or more playoff rounds, um, and Gilbert plays in 50% or more of those games, L.A. gets a 2017 fifth-round pick. Otherwise, L.A. gets future considerations, and L.A. retains 20% of the salary either way. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's like, you know, the Caps don't even have to play Gilbert um, yeah. at yeah, all.
1: That's a depth move.
0: That's so yeah. it a depth move. They don't have to play them at all, and, uh, and they... D- they get Tom Gilbert for free, basically, if they do that, but, um... But you look at the halves they got Mike Weaver a couple of
1: years ago, he was a huge part of their uh, run to the conference yeah. finals, so...
0: Yeah, it's I mean, true. The deaf, got, the deaf guys, uh,
1: are, uh, the depth trades aren't necessarily, you know, they 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 don't mean everything, but they can mean something.
0: Yeah, it's true, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know if it'll, like, help them a ton, but... Um, There is a way to bypass just getting Tom Gilbert for free, basically. Um, But yeah, I don't know if the Caps will actually do that. I also love how the LA is challenging the Caps by winning two or more playoff rounds. um, (laughs) Because they haven't been able to get past the second round or the first round in a long time. So be funny. I also love how Washington is just getting
1: every LA player they can get their hands on. Yeah, because because la- they got Justin Williams in free right. agency, they got Mike Richards last year, and now they have Tom Gilbert.
0: True, and they'll they'll pretty soon be LA East. Um, yeah, although I think people call them Sharks East because they uh, they always choke in the playoffs. Um, Uh, And another trade, another minor trade here. The Leafs get Sergei Kalinin from the Devils uh, for Victor Louvre. I don't really know these players, but um, (laughs) it's it's, it's a trade. It's
1: another another depth move. Nothing to see here.
0: Um, Also this week, uh, the Beanpot was this week. Um, If you guys don't know, it's uh, four college hockey teams. Um, they are, it's a tournament I played every year. It's always the same four teams and they're both, they're all in the Boston area. So BC, BU, Harvard, and Northeastern usually because BU and BC are powerhouses in college hockey in general, they usually win every year, but not this year, uh, Harvard won their fir- their first. Been pot since nineteen ninety three, which is about just to get a frame of reference here. That's the same. That's uh, when uh, Steve was born in ninety three. So a few months
1: before I was born, I wasn't even born at that time, and the TD and
0: the the TD Garden wasn't even built. The Boston Garden was still standing. Yep, it was still the Boston 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 Garden. Um, Yeah, yeah, so Harvard wins. It was quite an upset too because BU. Um, has pretty much all NHL prospects at this point, Um, and Harvard has a few. Uh, So kudos to uh, uh, Ryan Donato, who's a Bruins prospect who plays for Harvard. Um, I'm sure he's going to hold this over Charlie McAvoy's head, who's a a BU Bruins prospect um, when they play, when they're on the same team in a couple of years. So uh, kudos to Harvard. Um, I I was shocked that this happened. Actually, I was like, "Oh my god!" Well, this yeah, it, I
1: wasn't really just taking a look at 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 how they did it. I mean, they they beat Northeastern four to three. Northeastern, they got two players um that are contending for the Hobie Baker Award, which is basically the Heisman of college yep. hockey. Um, Zach Aston Reese has fifty one points in twenty nine games. He had forty three points in forty one last year. Dylan Secura. Sixth round pick by Chicago in 2014. He has 18 goals in 29 games this year. Um, so they were able to beat Northeastern with those two guys. And and just taking a look at their regular season stats, they, they lead their league in goals per game. It's almost at four. Um, they lead the league in shorthanded goals, third in the league in shots per game with uh, just over 34. Um, they got some NHL prospects as well, including Ryan Donato, um, and in the final against uh, Boston University, they outshot him forty six to seventeen. Yeah,
0: that's which crazy. is which
1: is incredible. And and you know Jake Odenjir, he's one of the best uh, goalies in college hockey right now. Um, uh, and is and you look at his regulation uh, regular season stats one point eight oh GAA sixteen wins that's pretty good. And he's going to get some looks by a lot of teams yep. um, in the upcoming draft or free agency or what have you. Um, but It just a huge win for Harvard, and just a really hard fought win. And I love how one of their guys, Nathan Krusko, um, he scores two goals, and I think both of them were very key goals in the game. Uh, He's from Georgia, so the fact that you have guys, you know, all fighting for one cause, and some of these guys have nothing, uh, don't really know. The, the significance of what winning the bean pot means for the school's history it, it's just really nice to see everyone just come together and, and and fight for for something like that and it's it's just a really good time to be a member of uh, uh, Harvard so uh, good on them they yeah. they uh, certainly earned uh, the right to hoist that trophy
0: yeah um, you know, it, it's a special moment for sure um, something that I'm sure they'll never forget especially since this is like, uh I know i don't know how many canadians are listening to this podcast but harvard's uh kind of known as the uh very very educated school here yeah. so it's it's kind of cool that they um they were able to do a um they were able to win an athletic competition like this so yeah um yeah uh we're going now to the bruins and Sen segment um, since I don't really have too much to talk about, since the Bruins were on a bye, we'll, um, we're going to, anyway, I think I started last week, so we're going to go with the Senators this week, uh, to start.
1: Okay. I'll try not, not I'll try not to make it too boring, because there's a lot to talk about. No, uh, just, we'll start with something off the ice, though. This is a good cause. A sentence owner, Eugene Melnick, by now, um, um, he, he needed an organ donation to save his life. He got one. Um, and now he started a new initiative called the Organ Project. Uh, and even though 90% of people in Canada give organ donations the thumbs up, only 30% have given permission to donate their organs when they die. And uh, this is how close Melnick was to being on death's door. Uh, the doctor, that, uh, Dr. Humar, who helped Melnick through his ordeal at the University of Health Network in Toronto. He, and he never told Eugene Melnick this personally. He wasn't sure the sense owner would survive the night and be alive the next morning. He thought about that every single day he went home until the surgery. So that's how close Eugene Malik was to dying. Um, now the sense owner wants to save lives, and this website is going to become a crucial part of that objective because to get an organ, you have to get on a list. Uh, the thing is the list of um, people who need organs is so long, and there aren't enough people willing to donate. Uh, so the new site, which will be available sometime in March, uh, it's going to start provincially in Ontario, hopefully someday go nationwide. The main goal is to simplify the organ donation process, which is handled provincially at the moment, and cut down the stigmas attached. So in theory, it'll be easy to opt in and opt out of the donation process. And and again, that process, it, it, it might be something small, but it can save a lot of people's lives. So just wanted to... Uh, promote that initiative and uh, once once i know more um i will uh, provide it on the facebook page no. uh also another big news although there are a lot of other minor details that need to be worked out looks like ottawa is going to be getting an outdoor game eugene melnick confirmed it on Sportsnet 590 the fan Wait, is it official
0: or just
1: the opponent is to be determined but oh, the okay. Sens are going to be taking part and they will be hosting nice so that's all exciting. they need to do is just fill in a few more blanks and go in, and go from there. But next season it looks like they are going to get an outdoor game. Cool. Sticking to their current
0: club though, uh, did, sorry, did you want to say something? No, no, I was just saying that's cool. Uh, wait, yeah. go on, yeah.
1: Yeah, we ne- we never done that before, so yeah. yeah uh, um, wait, you guys t- more, not even more a more heritage classic? Because, you know, I might buy tickets. We'll
0: see. You never gone a gone in a heritage classic? I could have.
1: Nope, never. Wow. We've been, uh, the, we were in one, um, not in a heritage classic. We were involved in an outdoor game against Vancouver. Uh, right. That was before Luongo was straight
0: back to Florida. but That was in Vancouver. Oh, okay. But ne- so never, never in through. Ottawa. Okay. Never in Ottawa. No. Never okay. happened. Sorry. Uh, right.
1: Their current team started off their week with another narrow defeat against Buffalo. Yay. <laughs> 3-2 final score this time. Leonard, again, brilliant. He turned aside 39 shots
0: against his former team. Remember, uh, sorry. Remember when I said that the Sabers uh were gonna get the uh, third spot in the Atlantic?
1: Yeah, they just they just need to play auto every night.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, no, they're two points out of uh, the third spot now, so what? they could. Yeah, they are. They have sixty-two points. Florida and Boston have sixty-four.
1: I'm checking this. I don't believe this.
0: <laughs> they won three straight oh my goodness gracious look <laughs> at that i mean oh, they have 59 they've played 59 games so it's just the same amount as they have montreal 17 goal differential yeah but they're they're two they're two place. points out of third place in the atlantic
1: yeah and florida's in third
0: and florida's in third yeah third. Oh God, they're they're red hot yeah um, they've been do- doing well yeah, Sorry, um, go on. <laughs> yeah, nine goals against in eight games
1: uh, against Ottawa for Robin Laird, which is impressive, although he's had to leave due to injury on a couple of occasions. But uh, what's even more noteworthy is Ben Bishop and Brian Elliott are combined 13-0-5 against Ottawa. So if you include Leonard's stats, Ottawa has not solved that trio in regulation in 24 games. So uh, we need to exercise some demons at some point. Yeah. Um, and that was their last game against Buffalo, thank God because uh, they got outscored 15-9 to nine in a five-game stretch. Um, in Ottawa's defense, though, four of the five games were decided by a goal. Sabres, unfortunately, won three of those. Um, and uh, that was – all three of those one-goal games that the Sabres won were in Ottawa as well. So well, maybe we need – maybe we've got better luck in Buffalo. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in the finale, Buffalo blocked 28 shots, which is very, very impressive. Four of their defensemen blocked three or more. Um, but I, I think Ottawa had a chance to win this game, but there were a couple of early, uh, they were two early goals that really cost them. Uh, Buffalo got an early lead in the first 24 seconds in, and then they tied it 51 seconds into the third. You take away those two goals in the early momentum, and maybe the storyline changes a little bit, but a loss is a loss, and Ottawa got nothing in that game. Uh, Thursday night, they were in New Jersey. Mike Condon was back in the net. And they got a 3 nothing shutout, and most of the game was boring. It was one nothing until, like, the final five minutes of the third. So, uh, again, not the most eventful game, but, again, Ottawa gets two points. They'll take it. enough uh, he, he also continued uh, his solid play. He scored his third goal in four games. Um, Condon only had to face 21 shots, so he had an easy night. And in the Buffalo game, Anderson only had to face 25 shots, so... Ottawa's defense uh, really tightened things up um, after being outshot in the Islanders game. Um, and then there was the game on Saturday. There were only four back in Montreal for the division league coming in, which frankly, if you told me that was possible, I would have called you crazy. Um, but he and his staff, they've, they put this team in a position to win. And uh, when I was watching the hockey night in Canada broadcast, I found out there are top 10 team in goals against, which considering where they've been, They've been in the bottom 10 for the better part of the last four or five years. So the fact that they're in the top 10 now is very, very impressive. Um, Final meeting with the Leafs this year as well. Um, And you you knew the Leafs were going to come out swinging because Babcock's bunch had dropped four of six meetings since beating Boston and kicking Julian to the curb, basically, and um, eventually leading Montreal to hiring Claude Julian. So you can thank Toronto for that as well um Sens got a two nothing lead uh leafs tied up after ottawa's five on three did nothing um and then toronto took the 3-2 lead two minutes four seconds into the third and that brought up an interesting stat i found out on twitter that the leafs had a lead in each and every game against ottawa this year with at least 15 minutes left in regulation in the previous three they had lost two of those games Um, so of course it shouldn't be much of a surprise when the Sens scored 4 in a row 2 in the empty net and Ottawa wins 6-3 to Um, even though Mark Stone benefited from those 2 empty netters he still finished with 5 points which is good Uh, Tourist got 3 assists Carlson got 2 big story was Derek Broussard he got 2 goals and 1 assist arguably his best game as a senator Uh, really loved what he brought to the table and so now Ottawa is 2 points back of the Habs for top spot in the Atlantic division. And by the time you're listening to this podcast, the Sens will have played Winnipeg. If they win that game, uh, they are going to be in sole possession of top spot in the Atlantic because Montreal doesn't play on Sunday. So I'll dissect that game next week as well. Uh, taking a look at their schedule, they're back in New Jersey on Tuesday, which is interesting. Thank you, NHL schedulers. Uh, Friday, they're in Carolina to take on the Hurricanes and then next sunday the road trip carries over to the sunshine state and they'll be visiting a florida panthers a florida panthers team that's starting to get hot at the right time yeah they won four Hardoff, straight. back in lineup both help, both contributing um and they've won seven of their last eight tilts and as we mentioned a couple minutes ago they've uh, leaf frog toronto and boston for third in the atlantic after beating la on saturday so uh, that could become a critical matchup
0: yep I've uh I found this stat about Barkov here. Uh in his last eighty two games, Alexander Barkov has scored eighty points. So it's pretty good. Although I mean that's uh combined with last season, but um yeah. it's pretty good. I still- yeah. Um yeah, they've uh leapfrogged the Boston Bruins here. Um I thought Toronto was gonna leapfrog us this week, but they haven't. Um so uh the Bruins, uh I assume you're done, right? Okay, the Bruins uh, beat Montreal for nothing. Um, it was probably our best win of the season. Um, although now it sucks though, because it's you know we had to wait a week for our next game. Uh, we <laughs> yeah, you put... can, can never win, eh? I know All exactly. Of the nuts, um, be away. It was it was like a great win. We were so excited. It was our we were three and and0 under Cassidy, and now we have to wait a week. We have to play the Sharks. I was actually, which thinking, is interesting, because I think before the coaching change was made, you are probably waiting so bad for that bye week. Exactly, and now I'm just like, I can't wait for this. Especially with Claude Julien now being the Habs coach, I was so like, I'm, so, I was so amped up to watch hockey, uh, Bruins play, and now I'm just like, uh, like I can't wait kind of thing. So they play tonight. Um, I know by the time you're listening to this, it, this will already happen, but they'll play the Sharks. Um, I was actually thinking about this is like, I wonder, I, I don't know exactly what the Bruins players were doing, but I, I bet you they probably just stayed, they should have just stayed in California and had a vacation there in California, um, because they're going to play them eventually, you know, they could just stay there get acclimated and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so they played a night, uh, they played a night, they have a bye week and found this statistic that... Uh, it's kind of related to every team. Uh, teams are 4-15 and 15 in their first game back from a bye. Um, so that doesn't bode well for the Bruins. But um, that's, I don't know. That's, uh, but we'll see if that works. They're also 3-0 and under Bruce Cassidy. Um, I thought, uh, so the teams that I was going to look out for were Toronto and Ottawa. Toronto gained uh, two points this week. Ottawa gained four points this week. We're about close. Um, to, I think uh, Ottawa has two games in hand from Boston. Toronto has uh, now has one game in hand, um, and they're a point behind. Ottawa is four points ahead. Um, but now you gotta worry about Florida, as we just mentioned. Uh, they're now they have sixty four points. They have fifty seven games played. Um, Boston has 58 games played and 64 points. So this is a this is a critical, like, I feel like this California run um, is a critical moment to not only see if Bruce Cassidy is, like, um, I'm not 100% sold on Cassidy just yet. Um, it is great that he, he hasn't lost yet as a Bruins coach, but um, I think this will be a good test to see um, if he can you know, beat these teams, um, in California cause they have been pretty good. Um, and, and when the Sens
1: when the sense made that miraculous yeah. run two years ago, it started with taking three of three and three from uh, the California teams on that death Valley road trip. So it yeah. could absolutely be critical to
0: them. Exactly. And, um, especially <laughs> now with it being so tight now with Florida and Buffalo, uh, now being in the race and, uh, Uh, You know, Toronto and Ottawa have been in the race for a bit now, too. So, um, it's going to be a tight race going into the finish line here um, with uh, Boston. I, you know, so it will be interesting to see uh, what Bruce Cassidy can do um, in that sense. Um, We shall see. Uh, So, they play the the Sharks on Sunday. They play the, like, I guess they have a two- Day break or oh, three day break uh, on Wednesday they play Anaheim and then on Thursday they play LA um, and then we play on Sunday we play Dallas so um, you have a bit of a break even for on a bye week this week but um, or last week but um, yeah it's uh, I don't know I, I, I'm hopeful I'm a little I have a little sense of optimism here. But, um, Mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm just like, uh, we may not make the playoffs. We'll see. Um, so
1: here's, here's another question that I have. If they do do pretty well, because March 1st is coming up, not this, not this coming Wednesday, the one after, what what does Don Sweeney do
0: if they have a good road trip? If they have a good road trip, um, I, I hope he doesn't make a, like, he doesn't trade Carlo or McAvoy, um. We have a ton of prospects, so I, personally, I wouldn't trade anyone. Um, but I know that knowing Sweeney, he's probably gonna make some crazy trade. Um, yeah. So I think you probably would either try to get a backup goalie um, from the from the Devils, that Keith Kincaid guy. I mm. I think he's he's like the best goaltender you can get at this point. Um. Uh, or or you try to get um, well. There's Peter Seleric who's been pretty good for us so far in those three games that we won. He's I think he has like three points or something. He's a rookie. He's been playing on the Krejci and uh, uh, Backus line. So he's been a he's been a good help for them. But uh, you might want to get another left winger for that. Um, I'd be, I know that, uh, Sweeney and Sakic talked during the bean pot. Apparently Sakic was there in the bean pot. Um, and Sweeney was talking to Sakic for like the, the whole second period of, reportedly mm-hmm. from Fluto, our favorite Bruins reporter. Um, yep. but, uh, I, I would be hesitant to trade Landeskog just cause I don't know what the return will be. Um, the fact that Sakik was even there at the bean pot to watch McAvoy, it just worries me a lot. Yeah. Um, Cause um, I mean, I guess there is a chance that he was looking at uh, the other Bruins prospects we have like for Baca, Carlson and mm. um, uh, Donato or Lindgren. Um, but at the same time, it's um, I don't know. I, I, I would be hesitant to trade prospects Um, but that's because I know that like, you don't know what prospects are going to be in the long run. So it's, it's tough to know that. But at the same time, it's like, this is, it's been a while since we've had a lot of good prospects. So, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you should, if we should risk it just for the season when we might not, um, make it far. Um, but I mean, that might change if we get six points out, of, if we like, if we do well in this California road trip, you know, maybe we should go for it. Uh, you know, Bergeron, Rask and Char aren't getting any old, any younger. So, um, Marshawn. So, uh, it, I mean, we could make a run, but I, I, I would be hesitant to do so. Um, and that um, backup uh that backup goaltending uh, story that could be interesting yeah.
1: with the Anaheim la back to back because True. i doubt they, they've made the mistake of playing
0: Tugaraska in a ba- in both sets of a back to back once and not yep. burn him in the second game against washington yeah. so well um, kodobin won the uh won a game in, um against yeah, vancouver so but i mean barely but yeah <laughs> he still won a game but yeah it's you're right it, i think we need to get like a backup. Um, who can play. Um, what do you think, actually, to bring it on to you, what do you think Ottawa is going to do? Um, I think they're, they're probably best to don't really do much of anything, maybe
1: get you know a couple of minor depth guys. They've already got Tommy so wingles to go. They, they've gotten to the point where they're scratching Chris Neal and Curtis Lazar simultaneously, so I don't really know if they need help on forwards. Um, but I you don't defense, think defense, they're good.
0: Yeah. You don't think they're going to make like a big move, though? or see
1: <laughs> depends on what the asking price is. If it's okay. like Cody CC and either Matt, uh, either Shabbat
0: or white. And cause I know, you know there are rumors that first
1: round pick for a star forward. No,
0: no, yeah, thank you. I know there are the rumors that they're, tri- uh, that, uh, Ottawa's might be going for Matthew Shane or something like that. But,
1: well uh, a start for a star it, I'm sure they'd they'd love to do that, but more, uh, Pierre Dorian said he's not going to mortgage the future for that. Yeah. So uh, you,
0: yeah. I think they're I think we'll they're see. wise
1: to just stand pat. If if the right move isn't there, they're they're probably best to not do anything. Condon and Anderson, I like what I see from them. Yeah, goal. they've been good. And you know the the team they have right now, again, they're within striking distance of the Atlantic Division leads. So um, I think if if I'm Ottawa, I, I like where they are right now. I'm interested to see what kind of week Boston's going to add because, you know, they, they had uh, that win against Montreal. They had a 12-game regular season skit at home against Montreal. They were 0-9-3. Uh, Tuka Rask uh, hadn't shut out to the Canadians um, uh, since seven years ago. Um, and uh, he, he was on, I think, a nine-game uh, losing streak of his own uh, as well. Actually, Rask was 0-93 against Montreal, and and Boston hadn't beaten Montreal at home since twenty twelve, and yet they were moving the puck well. I love the passes on on the on all the goals they scored. They were tape to tape. They were quick. They were efficient. Um, so I can see Boston standing, Pat, if they continue to play like that, if they continue to show that kind of good chemistry, I think they're best. I think sometimes the best deals you make are the ones that you don't. Yeah, um, true. And I think anything that jeopardizes the Bruins' future, I think Don Sweeney, it's not worth the gamble.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, we'll see. Uh, I mean, we'll see. You never know with Don Sweeney, as I've learned. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, Facebook, uh Lace M Up Podcast, uh follow us there. Uh we sometimes post things there. Uh you can also follow us on Twitter at Lace M Podcast. Um, you know, we have poll of the weeks so if you want to vote there. We usually update it a lot. Um
1: More often Facebook. More
0: actually more often Twitter. Um, well, more often
1: than Facebook is what I said. I
0: think. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, I thought, yeah, I thought tw- you said tw- more tw- often on Facebook. Of social media. Yeah, 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 I thought you meant like more often on Facebook. We post. Nah. Or, no, <laughs> we, we we tweet more often. Um, also, you can you're probably listening to us on SoundCloud. I uh, don't forget to follow us there, um, and you can also uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, where you'll be updated uh, whenever there's a new episode. Um, and don't forget to follow, uh, rate us there um, and subscribe. Um, and mail us, email us any questions, any comments, any criticisms, basically, um, yeah. at laceupbag at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's it. I'm Brett Duboff.
1: I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 66 of the Lace em Up Podcast.